Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Property Soup. My name is Alan with Foundation Property. I'm here with my colleague, John Staggs from Access Wealth. John, welcome back. Unofficially, this is our first episode back for the new year. We uh, Look, we took a break, but we decided uh, we missed doing this and we wanted to get back onto it and, and talk more property and, and talk. We, we wanted to cover what was gonna, what happened in 2023. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So we'll take a brief look at what happened in property in uh, 2023 and what's in store for 2024, what we think could be happening. Yeah, so I guess to let people behind the curtain, even though we did physically take a break, we still had pre-recorded episodes released. So schedule's been been on time. But yes, this is first one actually back in the saddle for us in, the, in a couple of weeks. So for Rusty, apologies up front. So 2023, what, what happened in 2023? Well, I guess the biggest thing was, you know, interest rates, right? Um, everybody got used to, you know, that the, the 2% interest rate, um, everybody jumped into the market. There were so many government incentives during COVID and, uh, 2022. And then, uh, you know, it was happy days for everyone. Everyone was jumping into the property market. People were buying property and then, uh, yeah, interest rates going up big, big changes and, and news everywhere and big changes to all markets across Australia. So you've got a, you've actually got a report there, John. What's the report you've got there? Is that the ANZ report? Yeah, so I've been referring back to the ANZ CoreLogic report from the year in general. Uh, but I think what you've hit, struck the nerve on there is probably the biggest thing. If there's one thing, I guess, reflecting on 2023 that really jumps out to me, it's fear, right? Uh, more than any of the numbers themselves, I think just the sheer amount of shifting ground that people experienced in a short space of time meant that there was more uncertainty in the property market, even though the fundamentals didn't actually get worse. So it was it was interesting for us going through clients through that 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 situation. Definitely massive opportunities and you know, big chances for people to improve their situation. But it was absolutely nothing like, like the um, like the COVID COVID mania when when everyone just had fear of missing out and getting into property. So huge contrast for sure. Yeah, like it um it definitely scared a lot of people. Uh, there was a lot of news uh, in the media that the market was just going to crash. And obviously, you know, any property strategist or buyer's agent, like we spend so much time in the market and, and looking at charts and data and past data and all that kind of, we, we knew it wasn't going to happen, right? And so for me, it was just, I always had to give my, you know, have a bit of a chuckle every time I see some news headlines like, oh, market is crashing, you know, property prices set to crash. And it's just like, it just doesn't happen in Australia. Like, you know, we had a few corrections. So I think... We definitely saw some corrections, um, especially in Sydney. I think Sydney came first, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. And then and then followed by Melbourne. Um, I think Sydney, if I'm correct, John, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Sydney corrected maybe, it had a market correction for what, four or five months, something like that. And then it stabilized. So, yes. you know, kind of market prices went down slightly, like maybe two or 3%. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just guessing off the top of my head. And then uh, after that, they, they pretty much stabilized. And now, you know, they're basically holding. And there's even some markets in Sydney which are which are still going up. Sydney was a really crazy place to be because one of the things we saw is, you're right, the median didn't have a whole lot of movement uh, mm. after a little bit of instability. What we did see, though, is there were some markets that were just going absolutely insane. So due to dwindling supply, and that's really going to be a, a huge theme across the 2023 review, Um, What we did see was several markets in Sydney where there was really no real issue with serviceability, where we Mm -hmm. had a lot of wealth um, fundamentally, and we saw lower supply. 
they actually saw huge periods of growth. So on the whole, it kind of balanced itself out. But yeah. there were certainly pockets where you still saw ridiculous growth due to that low supply. Um, and you know, that's that was a story repeated around a lot of the country in spite of a lot of the media climate around it. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the biggest things. We probably sound like a broken record, but you know, there is there's not enough stock coming to market. Nope. Like there's there's not, right? Uh, material costs have gone up, labor costs have gone up. Um, there's less builders in the market. You know, um, a lot of them have folded because of pricing they gave out, you know, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the material shortages because of COVID. So there's not uh, the same volume of builders like building new homes in the market. Mm. And then we've still got migration. I think how many people came into the country last year was it? Just over 450,000 from, and that's that's going from March of 2022 to March 2023. So we've still got a, a massive influx of migrants coming into the country. They, they obviously, there's a demand for property there. And then you've just got the population who's already here. There was already a shortage before the migrants came. And then, you know, there's not enough stock coming to the market. So it's just, the market's just being squeezed. Like it just, mm. it's not going to happen. Like if somebody needs to let go of their home because they can't, um, uh, service the mortgage because of mortgage stress there's someone someone else is just going to swoop in and take it like that's that's the reality so yeah i mean that for me that was the biggest thing is like uh you know a lot of people just like in covid they probably maybe out there sitting on the fence thinking oh i'm gonna make my move as soon as the market crashes like you'll be waiting a long time it's not going to happen it's a complete logical fallacy. So I think down the line, if we do implement our bullshit series, I think that the idea, <laughs> the, the, the idea, the idea of the, the Australian property market being due for a, for a crash, yeah, something we can we can pick apart really forty plus years worth of news cycles that have exploited that irrational fear. Yeah, it's just it's complete bollocks. Just to cut right through the bullshit. Right? Well, and yeah, and, and just going on that bullshit uh, meter, we will probably release some episodes every periodically on uh, some. Property, property investing mythbusters or, or or bullshit busters that may come up soon. But um, yeah, like there's there's zero supply uh, coming to the market. Well, not zero, but it's it's very restrained. There's massive demand still for property. Re- relative to the demand, it's just not enough. So there is some coming, of course, um, some from really great quality vendors. Uh, but is there anywhere near enough to service the demand of the market, particularly mm. in the, the really quickly growing local government areas? Not mm-hmm. even close. Yeah. So what what else happened in uh, 2023, aside from interest rates? The first half of the year, the media just went utterly bonkers talking about how interest rates were going to kill everyone. And at the back end of the year, that changed to, oh, the rental crisis is now the apocalypse. Right? Yeah. Yep. Ignoring the fact that if you're holding investment property, the rental crisis actually meant that now you were going to have an easier time doing that than ever. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Like there's so many people, there's so many uh, kind of doomsdayers and, and they're just like the, 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 the sky is falling, the market's going to crash, but all the indicators are there. Like if you mm. look at the, the data and, and the information out there and, and you know you don't look at the news headlines, which are really sensational, sensationalizing everything. If you like really peel back things and and look at all the data, like it's all the indicators are there. And you know we've already mentioned that this episode that there's not enough supply coming to the market, but vacancy rates being extremely low, and the fact that there is a a rental crisis, that's another indicator that there's just not enough supply. So you know it doesn't mean that wherever you buy, it's gonna um, 
you know, you're going to get good results. You, you've got to still kind of filter things down and, and do your homework. But um, it's it's a good time to be a, a property investor, mm. even even with rising interest rates. Yes. And I think the most important thing, the most important thing lesson for property investors in 2023 is you can never perfectly time the market. You, you just can't. You can't say, oh, um, in seven months from now, I'll 100% be ready to do something because you just don't know how the market's going to be in seven, seven months from now. We can kind of forecast and maybe guess, but no one really knows what's going to happen. So if you do want to use leverage and property to make money, to grow your wealth, to create that financial freedom, you've just got to look at what's happening with the market. Maybe adjust your investing parameters a little bit and then find a way to get in. Would you, I, would you agree? I break it down even more simply, right? What's the best time to plant a tree? 10 years ago. And if not 10 years ago, then? 20 years ago. Or now. Yeah. Right. If we if we if we agree that we don't have a DeLorean, we actually yeah. can't go back in time. Yeah. Well, then it's now. Yeah. So simple as that. I mean, you can delay planting the tree. Cool. You delay when you eat. It's it's up to you. You know, both are perfectly fine decisions. But yeah, unless the ground is either genuinely frozen solid or on fire, probably better plant that tree. Yeah. I was actually driving around um, the western, just just the inner western suburbs of Melbourne today with my wife, and uh, we were driving around Spotswood and um, Yarraville. And really cool, actually. Like I, I hadn't spent much time in, in, in Spotswood. Like we would kind of spend a bit of time in William. If anyone knows Melbourne, um, Williamstown Beach is is really nice. But Spotswood, fifteen to twenty years ago, you like wouldn't touch those suburbs and Yarraville. And uh, Spotswood is, and it's um, it's up and coming. It kind of felt like we we kind of said this kind of feels like a Melbourne's Brooklyn, you know, yeah. just over the bridge, a little bit hippie bohemian and um got cool cafes and stuff and uh, you look at the properties there and you just think oh man i would have loved to have bought three of these 15 years ago <laughs> when they were a hundred thousand dollars right and 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 now you're looking at these tiny small lots of 250 square meters similar in, in to what you might find in Port Melbourne because those were working class areas that those, you know, back in the day, those areas were not gentrified. No. You know, you didn't have these cool, young, hip, professional families moving in there. And yeah, you could you could pick up a property in Spotswood, I guess, 20, 25 years ago for $70,000, $80,000. Yep. And you'd easily fetch 1.2, 1.3 million for the same property today. Yep. So... Yeah, you're 100% right, John. Like the, the best time to invest or the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second, the the next best time was 20 years ago. Yeah. If we look at Spotswood as a great analogy as well. So often people might then have the thought of, oh God, I've missed out. Well, no, still an amazing place to invest into now. If we actually break down the data, and not going to do it now, it wouldn't be appropriate. But again, if we look at the outlook for that area 10, 15, 20 years down the line, particularly with the Westgate Freeway Project, amazing. Right, yeah. so it's 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 could um, be could be the next could be the next Port Melbourne or maybe even the next maybe next Brighton. We we don't know, we don't know. It's attracting those kind of that demographic. So yeah, extremely. Yeah, the, the demographics are insane. Um, but yeah, looking at the market bigger picture, I think one thing that became very telling last year was really looking at the sheer amount of of actual income required to service a homeland in Sydney. So that was one thing that was staggering. Um, median dwelling value value um, stabilized 
roughly at about $1.1 million. This number blew me away when I was running through the report. I knew it was getting out of hand, but um, the average percentage of household income required to service a home loan in Sydney now is sitting at 58%. Yeah, that's high. It's ridiculous. That's high. Yeah, I do feel bad for people who are struggling with their, their mortgages at the moment, um, but that, that is high. Um, yeah. Well, how is that? How has that affected the broader Australian property market? Like Sydney becoming so unaffordable because it does affect it. And we do look at these things, right? Um, we, we do look at these kind of market dynamics. So Sydney becoming so unaffordable for a lot of people, what, what's happened to other markets in Australia? Or what happened, sorry, in, in 2023? Well, yeah, I mean, what we what we did see through 2023, uh, because of that little thing that happened called COVID, mm. where it became very clear that we actually don't need to work in the same location in order to do our jobs properly together. You and I don't even live in the same city, right? Yeah. Somehow, and somehow we do this every week, right? Yeah. Fancy that. That's become very obvious that there are many sectors where that's clearly not, a, not just something that's a net neutral effect on a company in many cases it's a net positive where the workforce is performing even better by doing Mm. things remotely so with the advent of remote work and the fact that sydney is genuinely bone crushingly unaffordable in many pockets now Mm. became obvious for people that okay this means i can live somewhere else so yeah we saw was a whole bunch of markets really pick up well which markets picked up let's kind of dive into that a bit yeah specifically Specifically, one of the standouts for sure was Perth. Um, I think we can agree on that, um, certainly. Um, so that's the one that immediately jumps to mind. What, what are the other star performers from your perspective? I saw um, a lot of things happening in South Australia and Adelaide. Uh, so I think it happened in, in Adelaide first. So we, we saw a lot of people leave unaffordable areas uh, in New South Wales, kind of looking for more affordable places to live where, where they could still, there, there were still job opportunities and growing job opportunities. But very, very affordable property. Yeah. Funnily enough, a lot of the net internal migration data for Adelaide is specifically from Melbourne. So Mm. Adelaide certainly did have a boost um, through last year for sure. Um, Mm. But when we actually dive into the um, the net internal migration figures, the the lion's share of that really came from Melbourne. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me because for for Melbournians, like last time I went to to Adelaide, I was like, wow, this is really nice here. Just reminds me of Melbourne 20 years ago. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, but um, yeah, definitely Adelaide. But that, that, that brings us to the kind of darling of the property market right now, which is Perth, mm. right? There was already some indicators. Sometimes it's hard to tell. You don't, you don't know until you know, right? There, there were already some indicators for Perth, I, I would say, you know, early, early 2020, late 20, mid 2020, 2021, yep. ra- around that time. But it was, it was very obvious that something was happening like basically last year. The the data became irrefutable, right? So it, it definitely seemed really, like you say, from at least the back half of 2021, that Perth was certainly a market on the rise. This was now really a city with a well-diversified economy, seeing a whole bunch of infrastructure mm. coming through. So the evidence was there that this market should perform very strongly. Mm-hmm. And that really became irrefutable across 2023. Yeah. So there are still some it's not the perfect market for every investor. For some reasons, happy to detail um, very generally uh, here as mm. well. Um, yeah. But certainly some massive strengths for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's not for everyone. Um, you know, you, got, you kind of look at you. You have to kind of look at your, your profile as an investor. You know, are you are you okay with how the market might be, behave? Mm. Um, and you can only use past data for that, even though it doesn't tell you what 
could happen in the future. Past data can kind of tell us what might happen. Yep. But uh, I mean, Perth went like I mean, it's still going crazy. I still it still boggles my mind how much activity there is in the Perth market. Oh yeah. Um, but for people who got in, let's say la- even last year in the middle of last year, they've had significant uplift. You could have bought a let's say a three to four bedroom house for $450,000 middle of last year in Perth, you would have mm-hmm. been getting a 550 to, let's say a $500, $550 rent, Pretty which easily. is a six and a half percent rental yield, which is excellent in today's uh, interest rate uh, environment. And for the same house, you'll probably pay minimum $550,000 yep. for that exact same house possibly even more because it's still going. So $100,000 uplift for a lot of people in in 6 months. Yep. That's pretty With, insane. Without having to front up the cash flow for it, right? So yep. because we've got that high rental yield. Yeah. But Perth's a really interesting nuanced market to me for a few reasons. So a lot of people are very cautious about investing there because um, during the the mid 2010s we did see uh, clearly decline uh, or complete stagnation within the market. So mm-hmm. um, there certainly were some reasons to be wary about it. Now, obviously, the Western Australian economy, again, highly diversified, um, really not not the same kind of risk it was 10 years ago, if we mm. really break it down. Yeah. But there is still a lot of that fear there. And one of the reasons that I mentioned it's not the ideal market for every investor, and this is where it's worth really considering every element of the strategy as well. So while from our side of the table, looking at all the, the metrics coming into it, looking at all the data, it's pretty clear that Perth's going to keep performing very strongly for a long time to come, at least mm. in my opinion anyway. Mm. The people who haven't caught on to that are the local valuers. So because they've lived through, most of them are you know the industry diehards have been around for a long time because they've lived through that period where they've seen values stagnate or decline um, due to market shifts um, a decade ago. Now, when they go to, to value a completed property, even though all the evidence from comparable sales says that it's heading in one direction, a lot of times the valuers in Perth are being extremely conservative and coming in well under contract. Now, if you're an investor with an absolute ton of equity behind you and you can feel that valuation shortfall, cool. A valuation shortfall does not mean you've purchased a bad investment. It just means the valuer disagrees with us at this point in time. Yeah. Right. Well, I think what's happening is the market is moving so quickly mm. that they they don't really understand what's going on and they're valuing even three months before. Yep. Right. But it's, a, it's moving so quickly, like it's going up, what, 3% per month in some areas, you know, between 2 and 3% per month in some areas. So they're, they're just, they're, they don't get it. But- there is yeah. that to some degree. I think you're right that look, the rate of movement in the market and the gap between valuation and settlement, that will play on the figures somewhat, but it doesn't justify the discrepancy because we've seen that in, in some markets around the country um, and still we've seen we've seen some pretty solid outcomes. So I'll actually give a real world example with a client here as well. So um, gentleman who helped out recently, nicest guy in the world, um, actually lives in Perth. Um, he's come out of a, a really tough divorce with a cash settlement and really wants to make his money work for it. So initially, he was actually asking me about you know, places close to him, um, Eglinton, Rockingham, pretty, pretty solid pockets, you know, good places to invest. I said, look, they're great, but based on your situation, they're not for you because we can't handle a valuation shortfall, right? If we, if, we, if we go to settle one of these properties and the valuation comes up 50 grand short, where do we get that money? Hmm. I said, well, well, I don't have it. I said, well, that means we forfeit our deposit, we lose everything, right? 
On the other hand, we pick another market, in this case, Melbourne. Um, doesn't matter, but it turned out that uh, the option we had there just suited much better for his situation. Mm. Instead, we had the valuation come in 15 grand over contract. Mm. So now that, that risk is taken away. So even though fundamentally, do I believe that um, areas around Rockingham, Baldivis are still fundamentally very sound? Absolutely, right? But if I'm going to put someone into a situation they might lose their money, well, that's a problem. So mm. this is where taking that nuanced approach to markets becomes really important. Yeah, yeah, you do have to, to look at what's happened in the market in the, in the past as well. Um, and it may, it may not suit you. Like you, 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 you should look at all the data first and then figure out if, if the market is really for you. But it's, mm. still, it's still a good market and it's still, uh, it's still going. I, I, I mean, it's crazy. A, a, market, a, a property will come on the market and uh, the, the most up-to-date data is that the days on market is around 10 days, which, which means you, know, you put a property on the market for sale Within ten, within, within 10 days, it's it's sold, yeah. but it's actually shorter than that. Uh, it's it's probably around two to three days, sometimes less. Absolutely. Like that's how insane the market is. And so what's happened as well is, uh, you know, they've run out of land. <laughs> you, can't, you can't buy, it's very difficult to buy uh, land which is ready to go. Um, and even plant, like land which is planned for development, like untitled land. It's yep. even difficult to get that kind of land. Um, and yeah, it's so a lot of people are, are, are going to the established market as well. And the established property market is the supply is just drying up. It's just very little on market. Um, the whole the whole Perth market, it's uh, it's it's still going. I, I still can't believe it, but it's, it's happening. There's the, a lot the of demand. Only, yeah, the only caveat to put down, if you have the equity or the cash to handle a valuation shortfall, Sensational. Yeah. That's if, you, if you're building something new. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So, I mean, look, we've covered Perth. Well, any, anything else did we miss on 2023? I think that was some of the big movers for sure. I think really seeing how the, the market actually settled out, uh, one thing that was interesting was even with everything that happened over the course of 2023, Melbourne somehow, when we actually... So ANZ and CoreLogic did a really good analysis looking at median incomes versus median dwelling values. And mm. would it shock you, Alan, if I told you that property in Melbourne is actually more affordable now than it has been over the 10-year average? That is actually surprising. That is actually surprising. Yeah. So, so basically, in, like median incomes have come up and compared to median house prices? Yeah. Well, look, ultimately, some of the people leaving Sydney have left for Melbourne. So... Mm -hmm. Certainly, some have still gone to Perth. Uh, some have gone to Adelaide, in addition to the Melbourneians who've mm. moved. Some have gone to Queensland. As always, people love the warm weather, for sure. Mm. Um, but that bleed into Melbourne, and also Melbourne's own industry is coming up. Um, it's certainly been a contributing factor as well. Mm. And the fact its price growth hasn't been as bonkers as the rest of the country has meant that now it is actually more affordable than it has been over a 10-year span of time. Well, that's for me, That's Melbourne's the one to watch. I'm Look, I'm in Melbourne. Um, you know, I've helped clients buy all across the country, but uh, I think you need to keep an eye on it. There are some people out there saying that don't touch Melbourne and it's the worst market to get into. But uh, some people, some people, <laughs> some we're people, not going to say who. We won't name names, but um, you know, I, I think you explained it best, John. Like you, I, we were talking just before we we came on and went live with this. But how did you put it? Um, the idea that you can't make money in 
you can only make money in specific markets at at any one time is it is just, bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Um, what, so what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like let's let's break that down before we head off. Why? Explain it. Explain it. So I think it's worth just really remembering that the idea that we can't make money out of anything, any kind of asset is just a bias for the most part, right? Any asset's inherent value is very simple. It's level of supply versus demand. That's it. So are you telling me that in every single city in Australia, that somehow there is not a property, that there is less 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 of that property than there are, than there are people who want it, right? That that's not the case for at least one property somewhere, Right. That's literally the entire threshold. Yeah. Now, does that mean I'd guide people towards towards certain cities? Hmm. No. I mean, I'd be very hesitant with Darwin just because, again, not because of I don't like the city, but because the numbers don't make any sense to me, hmm. right? So, yeah. so there's, you know, would can someone still make money in Darwin with enough local knowledge and time invested? Yes. Do I have the ability to do that at scale? No. Hmm. So I don't, right? I yeah. want to work with more confidence and save my own time, right? Yeah. And just make life easier for, for investors hmm. too. So... So that, that's a simple metric. So when we look into entire cities, look, are there reasons to be cautious about them? Certainly. So let's use Sydney as an example. So I think anyone who says that you can't make money in buying property in Sydney is completely bonkers, right? If we just look at price growth over 10, 20, 30 year periods, that's clearly not true. Right? Yeah. Now, is there more risk involved due to the higher price points, relatively lower yields? Um, and the pigeonholing of certain assets, yes. Yeah. You know, is a risk due to lack of diversification because you'll have to spend more money to get less assets? Yes. Yeah. So, but it's a trade-off. So to say you can't make money is clearly just, it's it's factually incorrect, right? So that's it. The way, it's, a, it's all a matter of perspective as well, right? Like you could, uh, look, Perth is, is going strong. I think anybody getting into the market even now, there's still loads of legs to go and there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and so, you know, some people out, out there are saying, don't look at Melbourne, Sydney, or maybe some other markets, whatever market it is. But um, there are always pockets where there's opportunity. And the way I like to look at it, or my perspective on things is, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to buy a property, do you want to be competing with 30 other buyers or do you want to be competing with one or two buyers? Because that's mm. also an opportunity right absolutely so where people aren't looking there's also opportunities there because guess what if everyone's eyes are on one specific market and their eyes are off a market you might be eyeing up guess what you might find a bargain true i I think the the key to remember is two people looking now right because if there's still only two people looking in 10 years time problem right now our price growth are low so we want the evidence to say that okay people undervalue this suburb right now but Based on X, Y, and Z, so you know the big ones being yeah. infrastructure, population movement, and demographics. Um, based on these factors, there's a very yeah. solid case that in ten years' time, these two people will now be two hundred. Well, great. Yeah, right? that's a that's a great way to put it, actually, John. If you're looking at a property and there's two people looking now, well, look ahead. Is it is it going to remain two people uh, six months from now, a year from from now, two years, ten years from now? Well, if you pick the right market and you've got the right data behind it, you know, you can, there's, there's loads of opportunities to spot all across the country. Yeah. So, there's also yeah. a little bit, little bit of nuance, but this is where, you know, even if there's 25 people looking now, oh God, I'm going to get priced out. Well, hang on. If there's 25 people looking now, but we've got the evidence, there'll be 2000 people 
looking mm. 10 years down the line, then who really cares? Yeah. Right. So again, let's, you know, getting a bargain is great when you can get it. We don't want to overpay, but I think anytime that we've, anytime we've sacrificed the long-term growth potential of a property, because we're not getting a massive discount in today's market, we've kind of missed the point, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, if we get, if we get both, great. That's yeah. <laughs> awesome. But the odds we get both every time are pretty low. Well, before we head off, John, what uh, what's your outlook for 2024 for the Australian residential property market? Yeah, look, overall, I think we're going to see a year where things really stabilize. I'd, I'd never like to pull out the interest rate crystal ball, but I don't see anything adverse happening really for, for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like everything's cooled off the way it needs to. So um, I don't want to make the mistake that, that uh, the chief economists for, for the major <laughs> banks did last year and, 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 and throw the prediction out there. But yeah. um, all things being equal, I think I think the pain of um, cost of living pressures is going to ease somewhat. Uh, it also seems like the cons- construction cost index has really leveled out as well. So part of that, re- that report we've, um, we've referenced through the, through the session. Is so- it two quarters now that inflation has uh, not increased? Is that... It was uh, from memory that was the news, yeah. So between that, also now with the const- uh, construction cost index uh, having started to level out as well, um, again it looks like things are starting to stabilise. Mm. Uh, the supply and demand situation is going to get worse over time. Mm. So yeah, uh, I don't know whether it'll be this year or next year, but we're going to start seeing a good jump in price growth. Um, yeah, due, due to due to um, due to migration as well. Yeah, my my outlook for twenty twenty four is uh, similar to yours. We, we, we've seen the data that the the housing shortage and the rental crisis is not going to fix itself probably probably for the next 10 years hmm. like there is just not enough new properties being built and then you've got the migration uh, increased migration and a lot of people coming into the country and I think for anyone out there who's actively investing looking for the next investment or maybe thinking about investing yeah, I would say, Explore different markets. There's opportunities in different markets across Australia. Uh, Perth is one of them, um, but there's there's opportunities elsewhere as well. And and the last thing as well is with interest rates um, stabilising, we could see um, a lot of people pile into the market. And the reason is it's just human behaviour. Like people were scared last year, but this year. People are just going to get used to it, just like property buyers and investors went through in the you know the seventies, eighties, right when interest rates were sixteen percent. People still bought property; they just got used to it, and they had to adjust their you know their deposits, or they had to adjust the way they they um, went into property and bought property. But that's what I. That, that's my kind of outlook is that there's still opportunity out there. And then because interest rates are now stabilizing, I, I think there's people are, are, are going to just start, more people are just going to start coming to the market, right? And so we may even see, we might, may see prices push up even further. Now, if interest rates come down, it could be a blunt pass. <laughs> like we don't, you know, I, oof, that's going to be scary. Like, what happens to property prices if interest rates come down? And, you know, there's still government incentives out there. There's loads of incentives for first-home buyers. Queensland, of course, saw, saw their incentive double. So yeah, again. There's, there's loads of incentives out there. Um, there is a way to do it. 
um, and there's plenty of opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think um, the the movement this year will be relatively subtle across most most markets in the country. It's going to be the way I, I view it. It's going to be like a pressure cooker building pressure. Mm. Right. So yeah, this year we'll start to see the creep up as the pressure builds. I think I could be wrong, but I would think that really as we get to um, over net uh, one million uh, overseas migrants, which will probably be somewhere around about mid next year to, to late next year, mm. so mid to late 2025, that's when you really start seeing the explosive movement in the property market. Yeah. Uh, could be wrong. Um, it might come sooner. It might come later. Um, but that's that that's the feeling I get from, from looking at the numbers. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Stuff is happening. And if, you're not, if you want to know what's happening, if you want to keep up to date, just, uh, you know, subscribe to Property Soup, subscribe to this podcast, and we will catch you on the next episode. See you guys. See, Bye. see you soon, everyone. Thank you.